Hey. Hey. Welcome to the Sad Tales from Underground. I'm Alex. I'm Francis. And uh, we're both big nerds, right? Super big nerds. Uh, so obviously our podcast had to have like a, a word pun in it. And if you haven't already figured it out, uh, this one is uh, STFU for, uh, you know, Sad Tales from Underground. Yeah, or AKA. <laughs> okay, listen. I don't swear a lot. You're going to have to start doing it if you're going to have a call yeah. podcast STFU. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it's shut the fuck up. Which I don't think I've ever actually said that phrase. And yet I came up with the and, word pun. And now it's fully recorded for all to hear yeah. on iTunes and wherever else this ends up. My parents are going to be proud. Yeah, super proud. Um, I mean, we're naming this podcast, for one, Shut the Fuck Up, or Sat Tales from Underground, because, you know, that's something you would say when we're going to be talking about true crime or murder. Yeah. As one does. Um, so just thought it'd be a fitting title. And obviously underground, dead bodies. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that we're playing it safe with the listener's intelligence level. I think they got that. Also, if you... Uh, We'll just get this out of the way now. If you were going to ship us, we already did that. That's what the kids say these days, right, ship? Mm, yeah, I think so. I think still using it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes hear that. Uh, so, yeah, we just kind of wanted to have a creative outlet. We both are into the grisly aspect of life. Pardon the cat running around in the background. Yeah, you might get to know Callisto. She's our resident weirdo just picture like this really fat black spaz of an animal who also has like shortened limbs and is really cute you know like a halloween cat like black cat but it just ate a lot of candy so (laughs) We'll, we'll probably end up posting a lot of pictures of her on social media aka when i use the social media i'll post pictures of her because i'm obsessed but um yeah, we wanted to kind of delve into the aspect of what's not so nice about the world and, you know, try to educate people about what's going on and what has been going on. But we don't want you guys to, you know, end this episode feeling down and depressed. So we have a, you know, a light twist at the end, which we'll get to. We won't spoil it now, but there is something to look forward to that also is a nerdy word pun, so... So just, you know, stick through, give us those listens, and you'll be able to find out. Yeah, and uh, so we're going to try to just both tell a story this episode, and maybe for the next few episodes, just so you get acquainted, 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 acquainted with both of us. But as we go on, I think what we're going to try to focus on is just one of us tells a story in greater detail, and the other one just drinks our beverage of choice and reacts and we'll see how it plays out. Sound good to you? Yeah. So, uh, do you want to go first? Want me to go first? I will go first. And this is why. Because we're recording this episode on International Women's Day and I didn't realize that when I did my story. However, I decided to do my story on a female serial killer. There's uh, not a lot of those. Yeah, so there aren't a lot of female serial killers, period. And when I was thinking about what to do my story on, I just, 
I was like, my first story has to be a woman. It just had to be for some reason. And it's really convenient that it happens to be International Women's Day and we should honor a female serial killer. So I'm going to dive into the life of Eileen Wernos. Have you heard of her? I'm aware that she was a female serial killer and she was on the season of American Horror Story that was in a hotel. Oh, really? Whatever season that was. Oh, like they used her name? Yeah, and I think they had a person or a likeness of... Oh, well, I didn't watch that episode or that season. Was she in more than one episode? I think there's only one. Okay, well, I had never heard of her, but she's a, a pretty notorious female serial killer and like all good crazy stories... Most of it takes place in Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean... Motherland. Listen, for all of our Floridians out there, which, you know, maybe there's two because we lived in Florida for a little bit. Uh, we love Florida, but also it's batshit cray. I mean, everyone loves a good Florida man story. Right. Well, this is Florida woman's story. Eileen. Okay, but she wasn't even born there, but she eventually moves there. Okay. So let's start from the beginning, because her backstory is quite possibly one of the worst. First of all, she was born on February 29th. That's just a bad start. I mean, I don't know. She can say she's 18, which is really like... 40? No, like 60-something, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know the math, but who is born on February 29th? Not a lot of people. So, I don't know. It seems like a bad sign. So, she was born on February 29th, 1956. So, that gives you your time period. Okay. Also, her parents got married at ages 14 and 16. Were they Floridians? (laughs) I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? No, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, so Diane and Leo got married at ages 14 and 16. However... Eileen never met her father because he was put into jail for child molestation. Not her? No. Her mom was pregnant, and then his, her dad went to jail for child molestation. Okay. And then while in jail, he committed suicide. Because probably life in jail for a child molester is not great. I was going to say, was it really a suicide or... No, it was suicide. Yeah. Nobody else was in his cell. Yeah. So, he committed suicide. So, already we've got a bad start. And then, in 1960, Eileen was four. Her mom abandoned her. Okay, she went out to go get, like, scratchers or something, or... <laughs> Iron Man. Uh, yeah, no, her mom abandoned her and her brother, Keith. Older or younger? Older. Both of them and gave them to her grandparents. Maternal grandparents. Okay. Whose names are Lori and Britta, and also Lori is the male, which is interesting to me. I got it confused when I was reading it, but... So, Lori and Britta are the grandparents. Mm -hmm. Now they have Keith and Eileen. What is the age difference there? Like 60 years? For the grandparents? Yeah. I don't know the age difference, however... I mean, I'm sure they were ready to go and, like, sail into the golden horizon of retirement and they're like suddenly maybe although they got married at 14 and 16 Mm -hmm. so it's possible that they were young grandparents i don't know okay 
Um, so they started living there and things got worse. I mean, already it's bad. February 29th, dad's dead, mom leaves you. But it got worse. Her grandfather, Lori, was an alcoholic and he would sexually abuse her. He would force her to take her clothes off and beat her. You said this was maternal grandparents? It's not like a maternal. Thing, thing that runs in the dad's side of the family? No, it's maternal. I don't I don't also don't think that's how that works. So it's her maternal grandfather, so you would do that. And also she was having sexual relations with her brother Keith. How old is she? Um, at this point, she's like eight to ten. So it's not going well. Mm-hmm. It's going horribly. So she's not getting her best shot in life. By eleven, she started using the sexual knowledge she had gained to get cigarettes and drugs and food so at school she would be doing sexual favors for people in return she would get you know whatever she wanted Mm -hmm. so this is 11 like fifth grade by 14 she was pregnant and the way she got pregnant was that her grandfather invited one of his friends over and she was raped. Okay. So, her grandfather's a scumbag. Well, I mean, he was already, like, molesting her, so... Well, right. That was my point. He's a scumbag. And then he invites his friends over to take advantage of his granddaughter, and she gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then, I guess, abortion wasn't as accepted as it is today. So... What year was this again? 70s now? She's 14, yeah, 1970 exactly. Yeah, 1970. She was 14. She's pregnant from her grandfather's friend who raped her. So she has the baby, and the child is placed up for adoption, and she drops out of school. Bad series of events. When she turns 15, her grandmother dies, and her grandfather throws her out of the house where she starts living in the woods and working as a prostitute. What state was this again in? Not Florida yet? Um, um, Michigan. Michigan. Okay. So all of this is taking place in Michigan. Okay. So she's living in the woods in Michigan as a mid-teenager working as a prostitute and has no family. So, she's got a really bad start. And then, she kind of turns to crime from there. So, her first arrest was in Jefferson County, Colorado. So, she moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in 1974, so she would be 18 at this point. Um, I think, right? Yeah. She's 18 at this point, and she gets arrested for a DUI, disorderly conduct, and firing a 22 caliber pistol from a vehicle. So picture her just driving down the street, drunk, shooting pistols out the window like, you know, Yosemite Sam or something like that. I mean, the 70s are a more free time. I guess. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe don't shoot a pistol out the window, though. Then she didn't appear for her summons. 
So she just pieces out from Colorado. She's like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to go. So she moves. Where she moved to? Florida. Now we're in Florida. Okay. Panhandle? Where? Um, she moved around a bunch in Florida. So it's, you know, she didn't stay put. She was a serial killer. Serial killers don't want to stay in the exact same spot. She's not a serial killer yet. But we'll get there. When she moves to Florida in 1976, uh, she meets a yacht club president. His name's Louis Fell, and he's super old. She's pretty young at this point, and he's like in his 70s. Okay. So she meets him. They fall in love. Love in quotation marks. Love uh, for somebody, maybe. I mean, he's a yacht club president. She's young and attractive. I don't know. So they get married, but it's really not a good marriage. She uh, hit him with his own cane at one point, because he's old, Mm -hmm. like I said. And then he got a restraining order against her. So, not harmonious by any means. Could it possibly have been her first, if it worked out? Or was she not planning to kill him? Do we not know? Oh, he's not dead. But, I mean, was she planning? She was just hitting him? No, no, no. No, no, no. No. This was just like... A marriage gone wrong. She was angry. She hit him with a cane. Okay. Obviously, you know, a girl with her background has... Anger issues. Resentment. Right. Especially against men. Which makes sense. Like, this woman, to me, is kind of hard to not sympathize. side with. Yeah, well, not side with. Sympathize, exactly. I understand where she's coming from. I get it. Hold on. wine necessary out of a cat cup <laughs> you know you've reached high class when you're drinking boxed wine out of a plastic cup that has a, a cat that has a cat it. on it you've reached your pinnacle status at that point yeah but i mean this is I all mean, we can afford you can still go up you're i mean you're making a podcast now so you can <laughs> sky's it's the true. limit it's true it's true maybe by episode like 10 I'll have a stemless wine glass that's made of glass. Uh, and that's not a plastic cup. I don't know about cool. yeah. But it still has to have a cat on it. Everything should have a cat. Anyway, so hits him with a cane. They get a, he gets a restraining order. Marriage is kind of over. Makes sense. Until the mid-80s, she starts committing various crimes. Small stuff. From forging checks to armed robbery, car theft, obstruction of justice, assault and battery, etc., etc. And my personal favorite was she was at a bar one night and got into a bar fight with the bartender and threw a cue ball at the bartender's head. Solid. She's really filling out like that CV. Yeah. She's got a whole long laundry list and not a lot of people can say they've thrown pool balls at people's heads probably. So she checks one at him. So she's like filling out her rep sheet at this point. Yeah. She's committed tons of crimes. Some of them she's answered for, some of them she hasn't. In 1987, Ornos meets a woman named Tyria Moore. And they fall in love. Okay. And they are like, what are their names? Not Bonnie and Clyde. 
Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. <laughs> yeah, they're like Thelma and Louise. These two are really in love. And also, maybe Tyria should have found a better partner. I mean, you can't pick who you love. I get it. But she dealt, she she put up with a lot in terms of who she was dealing with. So they fell in love. And then Wernos, Eileen, she started supporting them. Tyria didn't have a job, so she kept on with her prostitution the entire time she had been keeping up with her prostitution, and she was supporting the both of them with that money that she was making. So the two of them were living together in Florida with their earnings from that. But then things start to escalate. So what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to give you the quick rundown of the different people that were eventually found to be people that she killed. Okay. And then I'll go into more detail as to how she got arrested and how it came to light because the timeline, it makes sense in terms of time that people were killed, but it's not like they were looking for all these people as a string of murders. She got arrested for one and then admitted to like seven. So I'm going to just go through the men that she killed, and then we'll go from there. Okay. All right. So, like I said just a second ago, she killed quite a few people. The first one was in 1989. So at this point, she had been living in Florida for quite a few years. She was with Tyria Moore for two, and she kills Richard Mallory, age 51. He was a convicted rapist. Okay. So, vigilante killing, potentially? Punisher-esque. Right. And he was found 13 miles away from his car. So, like, maybe Eileen was jacked? Or something? Because 13 miles away from the closest vehicle? That's insane. They didn't find any tire tracks. No, 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 no. They probably didn't find them for a while, so anything that was there. Right. He was wrapped in carpet, so she could have dragged him, but, like, that's a long distance. Yeah. So, he was found wrapped in carpet 13 miles away from his car, shot several times, but he ultimately died from two bullets to the left lung that caused hemorrhaging. Okay. So, she went overkill with the shots, but it was the left lung that killed him. That's in 1989. Not Taylor Swift's album. 1990, June. David Spears is murdered. He's 43 years old, and he's a construction worker. Also kind of known to be kind of a sleazebag. Listen, lots of women can attest as construction workers being sleazebags. I get that. I'm not saying all construction workers are sleazebags. A lot are great. Met some great ones. Or I assume you are advocating that people go out and... No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, gosh. No, no. No, no. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Well, no. He was found naked along the highway. And he had six bullet wounds to the torso. That was his cause of death. So she stripped him and shot him six times. And on June 6th, 1990, that's five days after David Spears was murdered. Five days. Charles Carscadden, Carscadden, 
It's a, it's a complicated last name. Age 40. Who is a part-time rodeo worker. Rodeo is big in Florida. It's true. Yeah. He was found dead from nine bullets to the lower chest and upper abdomen. Now, unlike the first two guys, he was not a convicted rapist, nor was he a sleazebag. Just a guy. Worked at the rodeo. There is no... Pa- I mean, maybe he was. Maybe she saw something she didn't like. She was at the rodeo. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. August 4th, 1990. That's two months later. She's killing fast. She doesn't have an unwind time. Troy Burris, 50, was shot twice. Also, cool job alert. He was a sausage salesman. Like Johnsonville or... Hickory Farms. Who knows? I don't know. He was a sausage salesman. I mean... 90s were a different time. I could have been a... That's like the... Big ticket. The Avon calling. He would like go to people and knock on the door and say, You want my sausage? That could be where the porno like game comes from. What? You know, like they cut a hole in the box and it's like... Like pizza. a dick in the box? Yeah, like, like pizza, pizza like with extra a, sausage. What's it called? Lonely Island? Yeah. No. I want to think that he comes, knock, knock, knock. And has a bunch of sausages. Regular sausages. Get your head out of the gutter. Even though I said, you want my sausage. So he's dead. So Troy Burris, August 4th, 1990. Sausage salesman. Yes. (laughs) It's just... uh, It's such a specific career. Did someone grow up thinking I want to be a sausage sausage salesman? I mean, maybe, like, I've already forgotten the name of the companies. That Wait. Wasn't, oh, no, that was Beepers. In Hey Arnold, it was, like, the Beeper King. News to me. I don't remember anything. No, Helga's dad Arnold. was the Beeper King. Again, news to me. Okay. Anyway, this next one, okay, nobody should die, period. But this next guy, this is what bugs me. <clears throat> September 12th, 1990, she kills Charles Humphreys, and this is what is awful. He was both a police chief and a child abuse investigator. So... That's probably the guy that got her caught, though, no? He's dead. No, but I mean, killing a police officer is going to... Put, throw some attention onto onto you. Well, yeah. Um, actually, yeah. It's not him in particular. There's a bunch of stuff that leads up to it, but it's just nobody should die. Let me let me make that clear. I don't advocate for any killing, but like the first guy was a child molester, and this guy prevented child molesting. So she's like just just killing. Well, she lost it with uh, the rodeo guy. Yeah. He, he was no one. Yeah. Allegedly nobody. Right. And uh, so he was shot six times in the head and torso. So her Emma was just take a pistol and go. Next is Walter Antonio, age 62, in November of 1990. And he was found 
basically naked, shot four times in the back and the head. And then finally, there's a man named Peter Sims. Sims. How do you S-I-E-M-S. Sims. Seems. Sims. 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 Peter Sims. We'll go with that. He was reported missing, and actually he was never found. Um, but his car was found on July 4th, and on the inside of the car there was a handprint that matched Eileen's. So probably. So he was missing, body never found. Probably him. Alright, so those are the men that she killed. Seven in total. Now let's go to the way that she got caught. So she never really, I mean, I guess she did, did develop an MO, which is shoot them. She, I mean, it started almost with the first arrest that she ever got, which is when she had that twenty two caliber pistol and she was just shooting it. Mm-hmm. From that point onward, a lot of her arrests, whether it was like, you know, robbing a bank or whatnot, she always had that pistol. She had some sort of fascination with guns. Freud would have a field day. You know, guns and penises and being molested and whatnot. And that was her weapon. That was just what she did. You know, there was no other things that were done to these men. Some of them were stripped naked. Obviously, she was demoralizing them. and That making... she maybe was using her body to lure them into a false sense of That's possible. Yeah, that's true. She could have. It's it's possible. But I, what I'm, I mean, I can't know for sure. What I'm anticipating is she was kind of trying to make them experience what she had experienced yeah. as a child. I mean, she's 11 and using her body to get cigarettes. So, yeah. So we're going to fast forward to 1991, which is a year after all of this takes place, and she's arrested. The reason that she's arrested is that she had an outstanding warrant from a biker bar where she had a weapon. And this biker bar said... You know, you can't have a weapon here. So she had a warrant out for her arrest. And she got arrested for that. So it actually had nothing to do with the murders. But um, all of these murders, which I didn't mention, they were taking place down the highway um, in Florida. Was she traveling anywhere? Was this between, like, residences? Well, she was a prostitute. And so she, you know, moved around where work was best. Oh, was she still dating that woman? The whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Supporting them, moving around, following men, truck stops, etc. So moving along the highway. Um and so the police arrest her for that. They also figure that, you know, there are these men turning up murdered, they're realizing that they're probably connected, and they think that it must be a woman. They've deducted this because they think it must be non-threatening to them. And so they're like, there's got to be a woman. And this woman that they arrest for this outstanding warrant has been moving along the highway. Yeah. So the two are coming in in together at the same time. But the police don't... They think that it might be her. She's like got this treacherous past, this huge rep sheet, but they don't know for sure. So 
they open up their investigation for leads. Which, you know, in all the shows is like, you get so many. Everyone's like, I saw someone on the highway with some guy. My downstairs neighbor is shifty. Yeah, right. But something keeps popping up again and again. And it's a story about two lesbian women that are going along the highway in all the places that these men are found. And so people have seen these lesbian women who seem kind of off and they start to piece it together and they look at criminal records and what gets them on her is that print that's found in the missing body's car, Seams, Seams, whatever his name is, it matches hers. So they think lesbian women, one, Prince found in a missing person's car. They've got all these ideas. They've got all these different pieces of evidence. Now they just need to pin it to her. Now this is a little bit of a deviation. Maybe we'll get there. But did her girlfriend ever know or suspect anything? Or was there any inclination that she knew about the murders? This is why we're such a great couple. My next bullet point is literally answering your question. Her girlfriend... How does she play into this? What kind of girlfriend wants to stand around while her her girlfriend just murders people? Well, Tyria Moore, her girlfriend, did know about these. She moved up to Pittsburgh to get away from it at one point. Wasn't really feeling the whole scary vibe that Eileen was giving off. But the police call Tyria Moore, knowing that she's associated with Eileen and they say you've got to get this woman to confess so what and they say so they they say you have to get this woman to confess and exchange we will give you immunity from any prosecution so they make her a deal she's living in Pittsburgh near her mom she says okay so she calls Eileen in jail and talks to her and just convinces her that, you know, she loves her and everything like that. Eileen is madly in love with her. Like, for the entirety of the rest of her life is just talking about how much she loves this woman, even though Tyria Moore is asked and complies with the police to get her to confess. She just goes on and on how amazing she is. So she gets her to confess about the murders Because one night, you know, she came home and Eileen had told her that she had done that. So she knew. So she just needed her to say it. So on January 16th, 1991, Eileen confesses to one of the murders. Okay. The first one, Mallory. And says that it was in self-defense. He was... Because he was a rapist. Yep. Convicted rapist. So she says it was in self-defense and that he tortured her and it was, you know, justified. Mm -hmm. And I will get back to that in a second. But she says that she confesses she's jailed for murder. Now, interestingly, this is a little side bit. While she's in jail, a born-again Christian 
You know how sometimes people are in jail and they get fans? Yeah. Which is bizarre to me. I mean, Ted Bundy had a bunch of... Well, okay, but they... Ted Bundy, they they were all like, oh my god, he's so dreamy. But like, this is some... I mean, I don't don't understand the fandom thing. But some born-again Christian writes her letter saying that Jesus told her to write and experienced a soul-binding... Both of them experienced a soul binding together. So is she born a Christian or is she... Eileen? Or like awaken? I mean, soul binding is not exactly a The born again Christian. Christian writes her a letter saying that Jesus told her to, and then the two of them experience a soul binding. Okay. I, I don't know about born again Christianity. They experience a soul binding where they, quote, always know what the other is feeling and thinking. So now they're one. This is just a side note. She's been, you know, brought in by this woman. And then she actually gets legally adopted by this woman. Because if you remember, her mom abandoned her. Yeah. Her dad died. Her grandpa died at this point. And her grandma died. So she has no parents. This born-again Christian who knows what she's thinking and feeling has now adopted her. Through letters in the jail. Which is really something. But God told her to. And I'm not making... I mean, I'm kind of making fun of it. But this woman said that God told her to adopt her. So. Well aware. This woman was well aware. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Well, I mean, at this point, she's in jail for a murder that she said was in self-defense. So... Right, she didn't know about the other six. We don't, six. yeah, right. But she adopted her, legally, fair and square. Um, on January 27th, which is 11 days after she confesses, she was convicted for the murder of Richard Mallory. But on her way out of the courtroom, she shouted, quote, I'm innocent, I was raped, I hope you get raped, scumbags of America. It was all around decent person. Scumbags of America might be one of my favorite quotes ever, though. Um, and I will say it now. Let's go on this, like, topic. So, this murder, this this situation has come up recently, actually. Her, what, being adopted or yelling scumbags of America? Neither. Her saying that she was raped and then convicted for murder. Okay. Um, with the with the whole flourishing of the Me Too hashtag movement. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the Me Too movement. Yeah, I couldn't think of the word. Uh, this woman in particular, this woman, uh, Eileen Warnos, has been brought back up because people have been like this woman said she was raped and was convicted for murder even though she said it was in self-defense but i mean were the other six in self-defense right um and i'll get into it but it's it's interesting to me that this is you know brought back up and i am ten thousand percent for the me too movement ten thousand i mean I mean, it makes sense. She, I, I think I understand where they're coming from, that she was convicted for murder. 
Like, the case that she was convicted for murder on was the one that she said she was raped on also. Right. So they think, I assume they want her to have another trial. Right. Well. Or at least get a different conviction. But, I mean. Yeah. And we'll get we'll get to why maybe it doesn't make as much sense for the Me Too movement. But I just wanted you to know that because of this conviction, it's been brought up a lot recently. Um, but on, and unfortunately, I mean, she can't get another sentence because on January 31st, she was given the death sentence. And she was killed on January 31st? No, she was, she was given the death sentence. Okay. So on January 31st, so the 27th, she was convicted and on the 31st, they decided she would get the death sentence. Okay. So... By 1993, she had pled guilty to all of the murders. So this is two years later. She had pled guilty to all murders, and she had received death sentences for each of them. She said all of them started to rape her. So all seven men started to rape her. But she was defending herself and killed them all. You gotta think also... She shot men seven times. Some of them in the back. Right. Some of them not naked. Right. Or undressed. Right. So it's 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 got it's it's a little Swiss cheesy at this point. So she spent ten years on death row. And then by the end of her time there, she recanted her statement. For all of them? She said that, she, no, she recanted her statement that she killed in self-defense. Oh. She said, yes, I killed all seven of them. None of them were in self-defense. She said, quote, I'm one who seriously hates human life and would absolutely kill again. She said she flagged men down, offered them sex, and then shot them. So that brings us back to the Me Too movement. I, as someone who believes in that, and I know this is not the podcast for social justice or whatnot, but as someone who believes in that, this is not the woman we want as our figurehead. figurehead. Because she, you know, confessed at the end saying, I absolutely killed them in cold blood and would do it again. And was luring men into it. Mm-hmm. Some of them were garbage. Some of them were great. Doesn't matter. She killed them in cold blood. And then as a fun fact, she did not want a final meal. So she had a cup of coffee. Okay. Also, she was a second murderer executed in Florida. In 2000. She was executed in 2002. Also, there's a movie. Called? Called Monster. It was made in 2003, which was a year after she died. And it stars Charlize Theron. As Eileen. As Eileen. I don't think it gets very good reviews, but it is a story about her life and death. Okay. But she's notorious in that there really aren't very many... American female serial killers. Period. Period. And also, there aren't a lot of females that receive the death penalty. 
So it's interesting, for sure. And it makes me think about, you know, if she had had a better start, how it would have impacted. Well, they say a lot of serial killers have some amount of childhood trauma, whether it's they got oh, she had beat all up or them. all the trauma, molested or something. This poor girl. But yeah, she died in prison. Yep. Um, you know, happy tales. Happy tales. Happy tales. What? Your story. It's happy tale. It's not happy. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> okay, now I can just drink my wine and relax. <laughs> um, yeah, so my story that I picked out, it's considerably shorter. It's a little less elongated. It's, it takes place in all about one night. One night? Yeah. And, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go back maybe 130 years um, from Eileen Warnos. So this will be in June 26th, 1861. Wow, where? Uh, it's gonna be taking place in Ithaca, New York. No, uh. Ithaca, New York. Wait, that's where we are. That is where we are. Ithaca. Yep. 1836. 1861. Oh, why did I say 36? 130. Oh. Whoa, wait, what? Yeah. So our story will begin with. Um, Addie, Addie Lucy Criddle, um, and Montgomery Cornell. Like, of the Cornells? Of the Cornells. Like, Cornell University Cornells? Yep. Yeah, so it's um, Addie, and her, she was she went by Lucy, and then we have Montgomery, who went by Gom, which is just an awful, <laughs> awful nickname. Wait, 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 wait. His name is Montgomery, and he doesn't go by Monty or anything. He goes by Gom. Apparently, people called him Gom. Gom Cornell. Yeah, Montgomery and Gom Cornell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, June 26, 1861. Addie was at her house with her sister, and she told her sister that she was planning on walking out with her boyfriend slash shooter, um, one Montgomery Cornell, which... and Wait, boyfriend slash shooter? Suitor. Oh, suitor. <laughs> they were walking out? Walking out, which, you know, like, I have never heard that phrase. I don't know if you have either. No, did you look it up? I did look it up, look it up, and it means to, like, break up with or leave. Oh, wait. So, Lucy wants to break up with gum. Yeah. Gum? Gum, yeah. Um, kind of break up. I mean, it's the way that the rest of the story goes on, it's, it's kind of convoluted. Um, Addie would then go on to tell her sister that the two of them were planning a murder-suicide pact. Okay, so, so we're her, gonna go out with fireworks. Yeah, her, their walking out was they were gonna kill each other and then kill themselves. They're walking out on everyone. Yep. What? Um, Wait, how old are these people? Um, Addie was seventeen. Montgomery was eighteen or nineteen. It okay. His birth was kind of they just they just recorded the year. So they were born here in Ithaca. Uh, yeah, from what I could tell. I didn't, I wasn't able to find a lot of information on either of them before this, so I'm not really sure where, if they moved at all, but I assume they are from the area. I mean, Cornell, Ithaca's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... This is post-Ezra. This is Ezra's descendants. Uh, this is, this is pre-Ezra. This is pre-Ezra? 
Ezra, if you don't know, was the founder of Cornell. Yeah, Cornell University. Um, so after Addie told this to her sister, she saw that this really distressed her sister. And well, she's like, no, JK, um, we're not actually going to kill ourselves and our, or each other. Okay, I have sisters. If my sister came up and was like, I'm walking out on my boyfriend. Actually, I'm walking out on the rest of everybody else, too. That would pretty, pretty much distress me as well. Yeah, well, apparently this this threw her sister off, and she's like, well, I, I guess she's fine. She was just kidding. She said she was just kidding, so this is life. Um, later that night, Addie and Montgomery left in a horse buggy, and Addie's sister stayed up for a while because, like, you know, she was pretty thrown off by the fact that her sister just told her she was going to be in a murder-suicide pact. Did she not tell anyone? Wow. Okay. No. The uh, 1800s. So she stayed up for a while and determined that she didn't actually really need to worry, so she went to bed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was like 9 o'clock. I mean, people went to bed <laughs> at like 9 o'clock, got up at... We were way past the specials at Texas Roadhouse where you get, you know, those cheap dinners. It yep. was bedtime. Um, I'm not making light of this, but also... Yeah, so the next morning, Addie wasn't in the house, and the horse was discovered. The horse that was drawing that was drawing the buggy was showed up along the road, just walking by itself on the way into Cornell. Um, they would later go Wait, on to into Cornell. It yeah, doesn't exist. Or Ithaca, sorry. Sorry. Walking into Ithaca. Oh. Um, people would eventually find the buggy that was attached to that horse at some point, and found a lifeless body of Addie inside. She had been shot twice below the left breast. So the heart. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Um, they determined that the gun that was used was a double-barreled pistol. Mm -hmm. So either he meant to shoot, shoot twice or he pulled both triggers at the same time and shot her twice. Mm. Um, and later that day, Montgomery was also found in Hemlock Gorge. I don't know if you know where that is. No, Hemlock um, Gorge? That is good. along Fall Fall Creeks. Ah. Um, he wow. had apparently drowned himself. His body was found floating in the creek, and his clothes were piled up on the river bed oh, so or on the riverside. Naked. He what? Was naked. When was this? When? What time of year? June. Oh, I was gonna say. Oh man, he was in the gorge in the winter in Ithaca. Bad combination. Yeah. So he. They assumed he voluntarily drowned himself. Yikes. Commit or his end of the suicide pact. Um, there is a part along Fall Creek near Hemlock Gorge called Lover's Leap that some people speculate that he jumped to his death from there, but that doesn't really line up with his clothes being on the bank. Yeah. He probably disrobed and then drowned himself in the creek. I've never heard of any of these places. Um, no motive was ever... No motive was ever found for why they decided to kill themselves and slash each other. Other than there was a, I don't know, record of Montgomery's father, Elijah, telling him to stop seeing Addie. Who knows why? I don't know if she was of a lower class or something compared Wait, to the Cornells. But Addie never actually, I mean, it wasn't, she didn't do anything. No, but she was like she was going with Montgomery that night, knowing she was going to be killed. How how is how is the Ezra Cornell related? 
Um, Do you know? Yeah, we'll get into that just oh, here. Okay. So Montgomery's father, Elijah, um, was brothers with Ezra Cornell. So Ezra Cornell was Montgomery's uncle. Wait, wait. But Addie's last name is Cornell. Addie's last name is Criddle. Oh, 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 oh. So Montgomery's uncle is Ezra Cornell. Is Ezra Cornell. So Ezra Cornell, the founder of Cornell University's nephew, committed a murder-suicide. Yes. Um, and the spot where Montgomery killed himself is on Cornell campus. Where? Along Fall Creek. I didn't know Fall Creek went into camp. It's near, uh, for people familiar with Cornell, it's near Appel. Stop it. What? Um, Appel? Yep. What? There's no... By BB Lake? Along the creek. There's there. no creek there. I'll, I'll show you on a map. Okay. 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 Um, okay. So what? we're kind of just left to speculate that maybe it's possible that their the two kids feared their parents splitting them up, so they decided to, they would be together forever, by, and they killed themselves. Like a Romeo and Juliet situation. Yeah. Except they actually went through with it. Yeah, pretty much. What? Um... Wait, I wonder how many people who are involved with Cornell actually know this. Probably zero. One. Probably zero. I had to like go real deep into. You had to I, I found like a Cornell Arc GIS map that had a, a layer that pointed out where the Lovers League was. No kidding. Um, so sorry, audio listeners slash everybody. Showing France the map here. So allegedly, this around here is where the spot where he jumped to his death. What? Oh my gosh. Okay, this is what's baffling. We live in Ithaca. I've lived in Ithaca a long time. And also, I have ties to one of the two universities in Ithaca, which we'll talk about later. But I've been on Cornell campus. And I've been right near there, and who knew? So she was found dead somewhere near there. Yeah, I couldn't... F the best I could find, I only... All this research that I did was based on a New York Times article from that time period. Right. That was the only corroboration I could find, and then I found... Uh, findagrave.com had... <laughs> Both of their grave markers and Addie's described that she was shot in a buggy and it was part of a murder-suicide pact. Findagrave.com. What if they she shot herself and it was just double suicide? Yeah, I mean, it could have been. It was I, the 1800s. I, I'm sure they weren't, didn't have... They didn't have the, like, gun residue yeah. analysis business. Um... Somewhere, I think it was in the New York Times article that I was reading, they mentioned the old cotton mill. And that's about as close as I could get to where Addie lived. Mm. Yeah, so, like I said, that was my story. Considerably shorter than Eileen Warnos's. Okay, but International Women's Day. Yeah. Oh, well, that was a woman, too. She maybe shot herself. Who knows? I mean, very far-fetched, but it's possible that she drowned him and then shot herself. Yeah, that does seem far-fetched. But what I think is, let's be real. All of those 
rich old white dudes that started universities, they must have some serious skeletons in their closet. Yeah. Um, also related to rich old white dudes, Cornell was founded two years later, two or three years later after this murder-suicide. <laughs> we move on fast in the Cornell family. Dude, it's a big family. Who's related? Um, if other people care to know... I'm just... I think it's... Where... I had a link. Um, other people related to the Cordell family would be Amelia Earhart. Um, I think Richard Nixon was related. And notably, famous murderer or murderess would be... Uh, what is, what is that girl's name with the rhyme? Um, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden? Is related to the Cornells. She's wow. like a second or third cousin to Ezra Cornell. Okay, the Cornells have bad blood. My Amelia Earhart. So, yeah. Thank you. I had no idea. What is an exciting story? Okay. Alright. We've said a lot of unfortunate stuff. And, like I said, we're losers. And by losers, I mean nerds who like word puns and plays on words. When we were talking about this podcast, we, you and I both decided we would end it on a light note. Yeah, I mean, it seems reasonable enough for, you know, we just talked about nine murders. Right, right. Um, and so, STFU... Also, STFU, we're deciding to end our episodes with strange things folks utter. Basically, it's when your ears are a little bit too big and you overhear things and you're eavesdropping and you hear crazy things that are hilarious that you want to share with the world. A lot of this is probably going to come from me because, like I said... I'm associated with one of the universities in Ithaca. I will not name it. So I spent a lot of time with college students, and college students say crazy things, which are hilarious. And I'm sure, Alex, you'll be out on the town and we'll hear crazy things too, but I just hear the wildest things. So this week's Strange Things Folks Utter is this sentence that I heard the other night. On campus. Quote, I know there's a thing called the Grateful Dead, but I don't know what it is they do. I do know there is an ice cream flavor named after it, though. Dice. I assume he was referring to Cherry Garcia, or was it another? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Cherry Garcia, but it's just, first of all, let's just dissect this for a second. I know there's a thing called the Grateful Dead. I mean, for one, you're living in now 2019 and you have access to the most technologically advanced thing in your pocket at all times. Okay, but they didn't even know it was a band. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You can just, <laughs> one day, out of curiosity, just search Grateful, Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead. Start there. Start, yeah. Just start or there. Or even start at Cherry Garcia. Right. And the Wikipedia page for Cherry Garcia probably says something about Jerry Garcia. Mm -hmm. But there were like four of them, and all of them were like, yeah, I don't know either. I'm sitting there just baffled because 
I did not ever listen to a lot of Grateful Dead. You know, I was raised on what my dad loves and he liked the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. but we didn't listen to a lot of it. But even that being said, it's like, you know the Grateful Dead like you know Beethoven or you know Prince or you know Queen or you know the Beatles. It's just a name you know as a band. Yeah. I think everyone should know that. I would think so, yeah. And it's just... They walked out of the building that I was in with ice cream, too, from Ben and Jerry's. I'm just... Uh, it's along the same lines of the fact that we just saw Captain Marvel and people laughed when they saw Radio Shack. I mean, the 90s were a glorious time, and well, the, most of them are probably... Well, wasn't even in the 90s, but... Yeah, I know, but, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in that movie theater were... They would have said the same sentence. Born in 2000 or beyond. Yeah, they would have said the same sentence. Yeah. I don't know what the Grateful Dead is, but I hear there's ice cream named after it. So that's the strange things folks utter. Damn millennials. No, that's what we are. They're Gen Y. Damn millennials. Anyway. That's an uplifting comment for you. Or maybe it's not uplifting. <laughs> maybe you're putting your head in your hands like I did when I heard it. But at least it's amusing. Um, I think that'll do it for episode one. Episode one! We did it! Is that Tales from Underground? I'm, I'm, I love this. I hope you guys loved it. Um, I think it was really fun to record And I hope you guys found it fun to listen to. And I hope you continue to listen to it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with anyone who doesn't care too much about listening to... Murder. Gross things. And if you'd want to follow us, we are at Sad Tales Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. So go ahead, check us out. And we'll see you next week.